Their voice has gone out into all the earth. The heavens declare the glory of God. The reading is from the Acts of the Apostles. In those days, the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord devoted themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brethren, the company of persons was in all about 120, and said, Brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who was guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. So one of the men who have, who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barabbas, called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justus, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Lord, who knowest the hearts of all men? Show which one of these two thou hast chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was enrolled with the eleven apostles.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On the sixth day of the eighth month of August, on which day we celebrate the transfiguration of our Lord, God, and Savior, Jesus Christ, there are two gospel readings that are appointed for that day to be read. The first, which is read in the early morning service of the Orthros, is from the gospel according to Luke. The second read during the liturgy is the account as reported by St. Matthew. Now, both Gospels are accounts, reports of this manifestation of Christ's uncreated light and His glory to His holy disciples and certainly to us through their witness and their words. Now, both of these Gospel accounts tell us that Jesus took Peter James and John with him up to the mountain, that is Mount Tabor. And both of them tell us that Moses and Elijah appeared and spoke with Christ. Both gospel accounts relate to us how the divinity, that is the Godhead of Jesus, radiated forth from his human body. Both Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel have recorded for us the thundering words of God the Father from heaven, speaking, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. But for all the similarities between these two gospel accounts of the same event of the transfiguration, one significant difference is how Matthew and Luke introduce this glorious demonstration of Jesus' power and divinity. Luke begins his account this way. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. But Matthew starts by saying, 
And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain apart. So why does Luke say eight days while Matthew says six? Are they, let's say, contradicting one another? Or could there be a deeper, let's say a mystical meaning to these two numbers, six and eight, which are not only to be taken in the historical and literal sense, but also in an allegorical, symbolical sense. And indeed, this is the case. There were eight on the mountain, but only six were visible. Three, Peter, James, and John, had gone up with Jesus, and they saw Moses and Elijah standing there and conversing with him. So altogether, there were six, as you can see, even in the icon on this pulpit. However, the Father and the Holy Spirit were invisibly with the Lord, the Father with his voice testifying that this was his beloved Son, and the Holy Spirit shining forth with him in the radiant cloud surrounding Christ. Thus, the six are actually eight, and there is no contradiction when the evangelists say one six and the other eight. And there is a further mystery attested to these to us by these numbers. Just before Jesus radiated his glory at the transfiguration, he had said to his disciples, quote, The Son of Man shall come with his angels in the glory of his Father. Amen, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death until they have seen the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Thus he was speaking to them of the day of his second coming, the day on which the eternal kingdom would be inaugurated, the day which will never see night, the eighth and everlasting day, which will have absolutely no end. On that mountain, those three disciples had a glimpse They had a foretaste of what we ourselves will be like in the resurrection, which we are calling the eighth day. The eighth and the eternal age, as we hear Jesus say elsewhere in the scriptures, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Yes, indeed, brothers and sisters, this transfiguration and glorious metamorphosis is not just for Jesus. It is also ours to be had if we want it, and that if we prove our desire for it by obeying God's Son, as the Father commanded us, saying, Listen to Him. Christ allowed the glory of His uncreated light to shine through His humanity, not simply to impress us, but to encourage us not simply to perform some supernatural miracle, but to entice us to desire that for which we were created, not merely to show us that he himself is indeed true God of true God, but to remind us 
of our great and majestic calling, which is to become gods by grace and participate in the eternal glory and uncreated light of God. Such is the Christian destiny, to enter with the righteous into the glory of that eighth and everlasting day, where there is no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb, and there shall be no night there, as Revelation reveals. Clearly then, when the evangelist Luke had said eight days after these sayings, he was mystically referring to the glory and the light of the everlasting eighth day, which glory was manifested at the transfiguration of Christ. But what about Matthew's after six days? If by saying eight, Luke's intent was to bring our minds to the day of the Lord's coming, the day of the general resurrection, the day without end, what is Matthew drawing our attention to by saying six? Well, for one thing, humanity was created on the sixth day of creation, and Matthew is showing us what glory awaits humankind, what God created us ultimately to become and to be. Jesus is the supreme example of the truly authentic and transfigured, let's say fulfilled human being. And the kingdom of the the Kentuckian of the feast also solves this puzzle for us. We heard it in the liturgy just a little bit ago. You were transfigured upon the mountain, O Christ our God, and your disciples, insofar as they could bear, beheld your glory. Thus, when they see you crucified, they may understand your voluntary passion and proclaim to the world that you are truly the brilliant radiance of the Father. Therefore, the transfiguration is also intimately linked with the Lord's voluntary passion, with his cross, and with his crucifixion, which took place on a Friday, the sixth day of the week, and which took place during the sixth age of the world, For the seventh age is the present time of the church in which we live, the symbolical 1,000-year reign of Christ, of which the book of Revelation speaks, that which is between the sixth and the eighth. And how else do we know that the transfiguration is linked to the cross and the Lord's passion? The gospel clearly tells us that Moses and Elijah were speaking with Jesus about his exodus, about his departure from this world, the suffering and the death which were awaiting him at Jerusalem. Furthermore, if we count the days between August 6th, on which we celebrate the Transfiguration, and September 14th, which is the day of the exaltation of the Holy Cross, we will see that it is exactly 40 days, the length of Lent, indicating to us that we are also to begin focusing upon not only the glory of the day of the resurrection, but on the glory of the cross itself, the crucifixion which took place on that great and holy Friday. 
There is an ancient church in Ravenna, Italy, which has a most stunning and unique mosaic of the Transfiguration, unlike any other icon of this feast. On the mountain, you see three lambs, which represent Peter, James, and John. Above them, you see, as expected, the prophets, Moses and Elijah. But in between these two prophets, instead of the person in the full body of Jesus Christ, as usual, is a magnificent cross surrounded by light, but with the face of Jesus in the center of that cross. The link between the transfiguration and the cross is thus clearly depicted, showing us that the cross is the glory of Christ. As he himself said when speaking about his imminent crucifixion, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Glory, light, resurrection, transfiguration, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, come only through the cross, the cross of Christ first and foremost, and through that cross which each of us is called to take upon our shoulders in imitation of Christ, but which also transfigures our lives here and now. That cross which means that we have crucified the passions of the flesh and transfigured our minds to think as God thinks. That cross which means that we no longer selfishly live for ourselves and to satisfy our self-centered desires. That cross which we took upon ourselves at our baptism when we were mystically crucified and buried with Christ, dying to the old man, dying to sin. That cross which beckons us to love our neighbor as ourselves, no matter how painful. That cross which cries out that we forgive the trespasses of our brothers and sisters, no matter what the offense. That cross of involuntary afflictions, sicknesses, hardships, and losses, which we must learn to voluntarily embrace. For this reason, we do not lose heart, says St. Paul. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed every day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory, he continues, beyond all comparison, because we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen because the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And again, St. Paul tells us, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Through the cross have come the resurrection and the transfiguration of our mortal, fallen nature. Only through mounting our own cross can our lives themselves be transfigured. Only through the sixth do we enter into the eighth, and thus enter into glory with our Savior, to whom 
be the power and the dominion forever and ever. Amen.